Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And sound the alarm, folks. The GHSA State Championships are here. The season is about to conclude, as it does each and every year, at the Macon Centriplex. We will get going Wednesday, March 8th. And it is going to be a fun conclusion to a fantastic year. We had a lot of upsets, a lot of games went according to plan. It's a crazy time of year. Um, Before we get into that and how we did on these previous picks and before we break things down, one last plug for the Sandy Spiel Spring Showcase, March 19th at Chester T High School in Gainesville, Georgia. Girls' side has sold out, everybody. I was warning everybody, and that's why we had this uh, registration open for two plus months. It is going to sell out, and it did. So now, if you're a a, uh, a girls player trying to squeeze in at the last second, you can sign up for the wait list. You won't be charged for anything, but your your card and all that stuff will be on file in case a a spot does uh, become available, and you will be notified if you do receive that spot and are allowed entry into the camp. But um, we're just very very full. We've already hit our our eighty. 80 person mark and uh, we don't want this to be a money grab we want to make sure teams aren't 15 girls on a team we want everyone out there getting equal playing time and equal opportunity uh, to be evaluated by myself and by the college coaches on hand on the boys side we do have a good amount of spots left we're still healthy there so if you want to slide in on the boys side still an opportunity that will be found on sandyspiel.com or on my twitter profile at kyle sandy 355 Of course, the boys' portion starts at 4 p.m. So again, jump in on that. You never know. We might have a late swarm of 30 signups for the boys, and then we'll be at max capacity for that. But either way, looking forward to hosting boys and girls March 19th at the Sandy Spiel Spring Showcase. Now it is time to talk about the GHSA State Championships. We're going to go down and do it. Uh, let's see, we'll break it down based on, uh, let's go each day here. Uh, so how, how the, uh, how the games will be played out. Um, before we do that though, how we did on our final four picks on the girls side, 14 of 16, that's a hot 88% boys side, 12 of 16, 75%. So again, it gets tougher and tougher, but we did pretty well, but let's get to it. Class A Division II is our first championship, our first classification to be decided this week. That is on Wednesday, March 8th. First game we will see at 1 p.m. on Wednesday is the Class A Division II Girls State Championship. Lake Oconee Academy advances to play Clinch County at 1 p.m., uh, for those keeping score at home, this was the matchup we predicted at the very beginning of our Bracketology podcast. How did we get here? Lake Oconee Academy, 34-14 over Mount Zion Carrollton. Uh, Mount Zion Carrollton, they hit a late three to get to 14 points. So imagine uh, watching that, a defensive clinic from Lake Oconee Academy, uh, really allowing just 11 points for almost the entire game. But Jada Williams outscored Mount Zion Carrollton herself with 18 points. So the Titans, the defending state champs, they will see Clinch County, a 63-55 winner over Taylor County. Amion Grady had 30 points, 25 in the second half uh, to get back to the state title game after missing out last year. Lake Oconee Academy 
has been the team to beat all season long. That one loss when they lost to Towns County uh, in region play, I believe Georgia Bosart was not available, did not play in that game. So obviously when you lose a girl that can do so much for your roster, um, that's what happens. And they lost that game. And their only other loss was to Class 7A North Paulding, who won, what, like 23, 24 games? Was a juggernaut in the largest classification. LOA has just been different from most other teams in this classification. But um, the Titans have allowed just 18.5 points per game over their last two. And I think the most important game to keep an eye on is what they did to Turner County and the Elite Eight destroyed Turner County. Destroyed Turner County. Turner County, of course, from Region 2, where Clinch County is from. Turner County won that region. But LOA defeated Turner County 58-23. And Turner County, they beat Clinch County two out of three games. Uh, just comparatively speaking, what they did against Clinch, Turner beat Clinch 74-72, then Clinch won 56-55, and then in the Region 2 Championship, Turner won again 59-53. Um, that's a pretty wide amount, a wide, large scoring gap to kind of cover there when you beat a team by 35 points, a team that has beaten your opponent in the state championship game Um by you know twice already two out of three times so uh LOA is my pick that was my pick going into this but clinch does have talent Grady as we mentioned uh, um Amaria Dean is a freshman that's about five foot ten five foot eleven super athletic Tiana Dorsey is a big body inside that can score like there is talent up and down this roster for clinch there's multiple girls that can get you 10 15 points per game but LOA that defense and just how good they've been in their guard play with Hannah Heinen shooting from the perimeter, Kenzie Stevens providing defensive presence. Uh, we already talked about Bosart and how well she does. And then Jada Williams is going to be the best athlete on the floor. She might only be about 5'3", five, 5'4", five, but she is the best athlete on the floor. And if you are loose with the ball, if you're a Clinch County guard, you're going to be in trouble because she will turn you over and get points going the other way. So I like LOA. They've been here before. They've done that before. Clinch, uh, they made it to the state title not too long ago. I think two years ago, lost in that championship game to Calhoun County, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, either way, LOA, that is my pick to repeat all these seniors. I know Clinch County's got a lot of veterans as well, but LOA, all the numbers show and tell me are pointing in this direction that the Titans will repeat as state champs. And now let's talk about the boys' matchup. Boy, oh boy. Um, Green Forest, probably the the heaviest favorite to win a state title this year, does not get the job done. And that's what you love to see as far as upsets, games not just going according to plan on paper. How about Charlton County, 50-49, defeating Green Forest with a three-point buzzer beater banked off the glass by who else than Jarvis Wright? 168 made threes this year, 35% from deep, averaging 20 points per game. So Charlton County, the boys, number nine in the state. They're 29-2. and two. They will be playing Region 5, number one, the number four ranked team in the state, Wilkinson County, 25-6 and six at 3 p.m. on Wednesday. How did Wilkinson get here? They demolished Macon County. 85-63 after those two teams hooked up earlier in the season and it was a close game. They blew them out. Justin Stanley, the Region 5 Player of the Year, had 25 points. Uh, just looking at this game, people are going to have to step up for Charlton County. And Charlton, they have been enjoying a banner season, the best season in school history, most wins in school history. First ever trip to the Final Four, obviously first ever trip to the Macon Centerplex for a state championship. But they're playing 
the big bad wolf this time of year. Wilkinson County has won 10 state titles. Their last was in 2018, finishing up a three-peat. So it's been five years. But the scariest part about seeing the Blue Storm in the centerplex, Wilkinson County has never lost a state championship game, folks. They are 10 and 0. They are like the undertaker of WrestleMania before the undertaker, I believe he did uh, suffer one loss. So maybe, hey, maybe Charlton County is the undertaker here. Um, maybe they, they are the, or whoever defeated the undertaker, Roman Reigns. I don't know. I don't keep up with it, folks. We'll, we'll call Jamie Brooks. He'll let us know. Um, but records are meant to be broken, right? Can Charlton be the first one to put a blemish on the Warriors record in state championship games? If they want to do that, Jamari Hamilton is going to have to be one of those players that steps up. He was averaging just a shade under eight points per game. Boy, oh boy, did he step up against Green Force with 16 points. And then, of course, we already talked about Jarvis Wright. We know what he delivers each and every time out with that outside shooting, can catch fire and completely win a game himself with that three ball. But Elias Williams, 17 points, close to 13 rebounds and four blocks per game. At six foot eight is a monster inside those two sophomores. <sighs> you got to feel really good if you're Charlton County. I really like Charlton County, but I think I'm going to go with, I just, I've never seen it in my lifetime. I don't think anybody, we just mentioned, no one has ever seen Wilkinson County lose in a state championship game as far back as however long, you know, we went to the Georgia basketball database to check on things. I don't think they've ever lost a state championship game. They do have the Cartier Craig as a good guard. They got Quavion Hill that can battle at the forward position. They played a super, super, super tough schedule all season long. And the fact that they blew Macon County out of the water means they are playing their best basketball. I really like Charlton County, but going based on history and trends, and again, 10-0 in state championship games. I picked against Wilco before. I don't have the heart to do it again this time. I think I'm going with the Blue Storm to defeat Charlton County in the state championship. Next up on Wednesday, we swing to Class 4A, which will start with the girls at 5 p.m. Two familiar opponents, Region 2, number one, number two in the state, Griffin, 26-4 and four plays. Region 2, number two, number three in the state, Baldwin, 23-8. and eight. This is a, let's see, not a rubber match per se because Griffin has already taken two out of three, but how did we get there? Let's talk about what happened in the final four. Griffin, 59-54 winner over Hardaway. Aaliyah Duranham, who's going to Mississippi Valley State at a monster game with 26 points. Another uh, Mississippi Valley State signee commit. Uh, Aaliyah Turner had 11 points. Uh, Zai Thompson at a big game with 15 points. And Griffin again with that just great size and length getting the job done. But they're going to see a big team that they know very well. And Baldwin really took it to Holy Innocence. This is a game I got wrong. I thought I said guard play, guard play, guard play. Well, Baldwin takes it to Holy Innocence, 58-45. Cassidy Neal was the one that stepped up. Janae Walker was held to just six points, but it was Cassidy Neal, the other big body, with 23 points and six rebounds. And how about Madison Ruff stepping her game up, going up against these other great guards that get more headlines? Madison Ruff with 17 points, six rebounds, and five assists. And Zakiria uh, uh, Pascal with eight points. So what happened when these two teams played earlier in the season? Griffin won the first matchup, 53-52 at Griffin. 
Baldwin countered in round two, 62-45 at Baldwin. And then the Region 2 Championship at Westside making a neutral site. Griffin won 51-48. So these two teams know each other very, very well. It's going to come down to who can control the paint more and who can get some offense and some production and limit turnovers at the guard position. I think that guard match between Leah Turner and, of course, Madison Ruff is going to be key, and it'll be interesting to see if either team can knock down some threes. I know Leah Turner in one of their meetings, I think the game they lost to Baldwin, I want to say she hit four threes. Outside shooting, especially in an arena like this at the Centriplex, we will see what the depth perception is like. But I, I, I most definitely foresee a lot of these points being scored in the paint because that is where their strength lies for both teams. Again, Samaya Puckett back healthy going to ETSU. That is going to be a big body that can bang inside and provide length against uh, Janae Walker. But Cassidy Neal, who just had that 23-point outburst in the Final Four, uh, got to keep an eye on her as well. But what I had going into this tournament, I had Holy Innocence winning. I'm scrapping that, obviously, since they were defeated by Baldwin. But I'm picking Griffin. I'm going with Griffin. But be very, very, very aware. This is going to be an absolute home game for Baldwin. Uh, Macon's not too far from Milledgeville. And uh, there's going to be a lot of red in the building. So I think Baldwin is going to be able to pull from that. But I do think, I think Griffin might be just a little bit better this year. They've taken two out of three. Uh, I'm going to go with this Griffin team to get the job done and win the state title after having so many good seasons, so many good years, but just never able to get over the hump. I'm going to go with Griffin to win the state championship. On the boys' side, this will be at 7 p.m., Region 5, number two, number two in the state, Pace Academy, 24-7 and seven overall, versus Region 4, number one, number five, Fayette County, 26-5. and five. At 7 p.m., as we mentioned, again, looking at what these two teams did in the Final Four, Pace Academy, 57-49 winner over Westover. Kyle Green had 16 points. And for Fayette County, they, they put out a red-hot Benedictine, 73-67. Caleb Jones led Benedictine with 27 points, but it was Fayette County's balance attack of R.J. Kennedy with 21, Keith Gillespie with 17, and Sean Van Dorn with 15 points and now we see um, two of the best coaches in Georgia Andre Flynn with over 500 wins Sharman White we already know what he's done at Miller Grove and of course since arriving at Pace Academy the only difference between these two guys is Sharman White has those rings to show for it Andre Flynn has come up close multiple times state runner up in 2008 most recently in 2019 and 2021, the Tigers are still clawing, still trying to find their way to a state championship. They've been close, but haven't been able to capture it yet. Um, you know, this is going to be a, 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 a competitive game, obviously. Pace is a team that I picked to win initially in the Bracketology podcast. I'm going to stick with this Pace team, but RJ Kennedy, who's really vying for that region or that Class 4A, Player of the year, boy, oh, boy. Uh, if he has a big game in the state championship and Fayette County wins, you can all but hand him uh, that award for the Sandy Spiel Class 4A Player of the Year. Fayette County has the firepower to compete 
with Pace Academy. They can score, and we already mentioned three guys that just scored in double figures. They're a balanced attack, but Pace Academy, they're going to have some size and some physicality inside. With LJ Moore is a really good rebounder. Uh, obviously, Chandler Bing is an up-and-coming underclassman that can get after it as well. And Eric uh, Chatfield, a good guard that can shoot the ball. Uh, I think this is uh, this is going to be a nip-and-tuck game. I'm going with Pace Academy because they've been there and they've done that before. Uh, but I do think Fayette County, they, they are certainly in a position. And, again, just just think about those three years they were state runners-up. If I know some most of these kids probably weren't involved, especially not in 2008, but even back in 2019, probably not many, if any, on that roster. Uh, but 2021 is a fresh wound that they were – uh, just one game shy of making history at Fayette County. Andre Flynn is going to pull out all the stops in this one, but I do think Pace Academy just has a little bit more juice in the tank and, again, been there, done that, and have won that before. Day two of GHSA Basketball State Championship Week will tip off on that Thursday, March 9th, between Class 2A and Class 5A, but we start with Class 2A at 1 p.m. I was at Class 2A in Milledgeville this past week, and I got to see the final four games. But we see Region 8, number one, number three in the state, Banks County advancing to the state championship for the first time, 28-4. and They see Region 6, number one, number one in the state, 30-1, and Mount Perrin at 1 p.m., and boy, oh boy, uh, this should be an interesting matchup. Banks County defeated Josie 48-44 to avenge last year's Sweet Six Sweet 16 loss. Um, the press of Josie uh, got them right back into this game late, but Banks County was able to hold on and knock down enough free throws to win it. Uh, you saw a, uh, a big second-half effort from Cameron Greer going to Emanuel College, was 4-4. Uh, from the line in the fourth quarter, she had 14 points and 10 rebounds right on her average. Addison Horde was a key contributor with 15 points, had five steals. And Riley Murphy hit three threes in that first quarter to get Banks County to a lead and uh, pretty much almost led the entire game. Uh, she finished with uh, a, a big 15 points. So the guard play was paramount in helping Banks County win, uh, essentially considering Cam Greer, she didn't score in the first half, I'm pretty sure, uh, but she came to life late. Mount Perrin, it was a tale of two halves, but really, if you just look at the plus-minus, and to no surprise as to who was the most important player on the floor, it was Jessica Fields. Uh, Mount Perrin was in control in the first quarter, then Jessica Fields picks up her third foul in the second quarter, Landmark Christian goes on a 13-7 run, takes a 27-25 halftime lead. But then Jessica Fields comes back out and dominates. Fields finished with 15 points, had 9 points in that third quarter once she re-entered the game. The sophomore also added 11 rebounds and 8 blocks. 8 blocks, folks. And 6 of those were in the first half where she got her, what, third foul in the second quarter at the 502 mark. So that's what we're talking. She had six blocks in like nine minutes or so. She is as elite as they come of a rim protector in the state of Georgia. So what do we think will happen here between Banks and Mount Perrin? Well, I think it's going to be a very uh, 
you know, I'm going to say every game's interesting, but Banks County has the size to make an impact around the rim. Now, Jessica Fields is going to block a lot of shots, but you saw the recipe for success for Landmark Christian. If you get Jessica Fields off the floor, that rim protection really shrinks, and you can score. Sierra Alexander's a really good player inside that can score and rebound, but she is not a shot blocker at that level of what Jessica Fields is. And if Banks County is able to handle some pressure uh, and be able to get the ball up the floor and pound it inside, and I know they like to get Cameron Greer going downhill from side to side on the wings and some dribble drive action. If they can get that to work and get her to the bucket and draw some fouls on Jessica Fields, this is going to be a game that could be up in the air till we get deep into the fourth quarter. I know on paper, Mount Perrin is you know, played a, I mean, Banks County's played a good schedule, don't get me wrong, but Mount Perrin has played like the juggernauts of Gwinnett County and playing Brookwood and this and that and Collins Hill, and they played big 7A schools and really good ones at that, and they've beaten a lot of really, really, really good teams throughout the year. Um, but Banks County, with that size, they can they can pose an issue. Carly Seegers, if she's able to get on the glass and draw a couple fouls and get a couple putbacks, uh, Banks County can match up with Mount Perrin's strength, and Mount Perrin's strength is in the front court. Guard play, going to be paramount in this one. If Riley Murphy's able to get hot from three, if Addison Horde's able to get downhill and finish with those left-handed scoop layups and hit some shots, I think Banks County matches up pretty well with Mount Perrin. Looking at what Landmark Christian did to Mount Perrin, they played a zone and they sagged way off those Mount Perrin guards. And they were, at times really just daring them to shoot from the perimeter and make uh, Catali Humans and Isabella Ramirez and company take those outside shots and make those outside shots. And, you know, who who stepped up the most for Mount Perrin and is going to have to do it again is Jacqueline Murthrill. She had 18 points in that game against Landmark Christian. She hit three threes, very, very big um, as a team. Mount Perrin did shoot the ball pretty well from the perimeter. They hit one, two, three, four, five, five three-pointers. And uh, you got to hit outside shots this time of year. But, but you know, Mount Perrin, that's, that's been my pick uh, all season long. I just feel like they, they have uh, all those key pieces. But you know where the Achilles heel is, and that is if you get Jessica Fields off the floor, Banks County can win this game. And Cameron Greer and company, they're going to have to saddle up and be up to the task and not get frustrated. It, it could be one of those things where Fields might block your shot one or two times, but if you're going to have to be able to stick with it, grab that rebound, and try and power into the chest of the shot blocker. And uh, we'll see how these games will be called. If it's going to be a really tightly called game, and you know, Class 2A last year was a debacle with 56 foul calls between uh, Rabin County and Elbert County, and hopefully that same crew is not going to be on this call because they butchered that game. I think the better team ended up winning, but uh, by no means 56 fouls should have been called when it's two teams that have played clean games up to that point um, three times. Uh, but that's that's a, a, a story for another time. Um, but if people get into foul trouble, it could be a war of attrition. Uh, all that being said, Mount Perrin is still my pick. I think Banks County is going to bring a big fan base, but I do feel like uh, Mount Perrin with Jessica Fields and those guards on the perimeter, if they're able to handle the ball, and Jacqueline Murthill, I think she could be another key factor for Coach Stephanie Dunn in order to repeat 
I think Mount Perrin wins this game, but I think Banks County is going to have something to say about that. On the boys' side, it was fun to see these two matchups. Providence Christian defeated Model 59-49. So Providence Christian advances to their first ever state championship. They are 27-4, the Region 8 champs, number 7 in the state. And they will play the defending state champs, Region 4, number 1. Number 1 in the state, West Side Augusta, 24-7. Uh, so getting back to what happened in that first game. Providence Christian, 59-49 winners over Model. They held Jeremiah's Hurd, 6'9", to 1 point in the second half. He finished with 8 points. Three balls were not dropping like usual for Providence Christian. They hit only 7 for a team that hit 250 going into the game. Um, but they were able to win. Thomas Malcolm got off to a really quick start, had 14 points. Devin McLean was huge with 17 points and 9 rebounds. And uh, Samuel Thacker, the all-time leading three-point shooter with 114 this season, hit a, a big-time corner three in the fourth quarter to gain enough separation. And they're going to have to knock down a lot of threes, and they're going to have to bring their hard hat again if they want to beat Westside Augusta, who won 55-52 against Columbia. Just athletes all over the floor. Jalex Ewing, of course, bouncy, but Kalan Hudson that is going to be the guy you're going to have to really focus in on and stop. And that's who Chandler Dunn, who did such a phenomenal job defending. Uh, Jeremiah's hurt inside. He was an unsung hero. Chandler Dunn providing defense. He was terrific um, getting physical down there and denying the post. But he and Devin McLean and even Thomas Malcolm, they are going to have to gang rebound and keep Kalon Hudson off the glass. Hudson had 12 points. 21 rebounds. I had two huge offensive rebounds with less than a minute to play that helped Westside win this game over Columbia. And mind you, Columbia, 52 points. They only made one jump shot in this game. The complete opposite of what you are going to see from Providence Christian, who is a great equalizer with that three ball. Jump shots are going to be taken, and they are going to be making uh, in making by... This Providence team, but I just feel like Westside, I mean, DeMarco Middleton was so good against Columbia, so quick, had 13 points. Amari Tillman, it just goes on and on. So many weapons. Uh, it's going to come down to the outside shot. If Providence Christian can defend, can, if they can keep uh, Westside out of the paint, even though Westside does have some quality shooters on this roster, you got to force them into being an outside shooting, jump shooting team. You cannot let Westside get anything in the open floor. They cannot be any transition points. You saw a model team in the final four that was you know, slow and methodical with the big guys. They're more so trying to score in the half court. Westside wants to run. They can run with the best of them. They are an explosive offensive team. I believe they're averaging 80 points per game in the playoffs heading into that game against Columbia. They are as good as advertised. Everyone back from last year's team at Providence, they have to play this game. Although Providence likes to play fast, too, and get transition threes. That's going to be key if you're Westside. You have to find these shooters. They're going to spot up. Samuel Thacker is going to run to the line. All these weapons, uh, Cameron Carroll will run to the line. So many guys that can stroke it from deep. You're going to have to be very good and um, very well balanced as far as uh, closing out on shooters. I know Westside uh, likes to play a, a zone at times. They're going to have to be able to move their feet if they're going to be in that zone and not come out and play man-to-man. -man. Uh, but again, it's, it's, this game has to be played in the half court for the most part 
for Providence Christian. You're going to have to send a lot of guys back. You might send one, maybe two guys into offensive rebound, but the vast majority, you have to get back. You cannot let Westside beat you in transition, and you have to put a body on Kalon Hudson every single time a shot goes up because his nose for the ball is uncanny, folks. He is an elite rebounder, an absolutely elite rebounder. Um, it's going to be really tough for Providence to win this game. Uh, I do think they're going to be able to make it a little interesting. They see a couple shots drop early on, and you're able to kind of tighten the screws and put a little bit of that pressure on Westside Augusta. You never know. But Westside has been the best team in the state all year long. Many a time I could have dropped them off that number one mark in the state considering they do have seven losses. But I said, no, no, no. Westside's played in the toughest region in the state in that classification. They played good teams outside of the region. And I think Westside Augusta, I think that athleticism and Kalon Hudson and company is going to be too much um, for Providence. But I will say Providence, they did win a shootout with Spencer. Spencer not quite at that level as Westside, especially with all those transfers they lost. So that does give Providence some hope. To put the ball in the basket, Providence is comfortable playing those games in the 80s. But I do think Westside has been the best team this season. And I do think Westside will be able to win this game. On Thursday, March 9th, in between Class 2A and Class 5A, there is going to be the co-ed three-point contest. Uh, but after that, we'll jump back in. Class 5A at 5.30. And we can even talk about the boys a little bit here. In Class 5A, it is Region 2 versus Region 6. Both teams out of Region 2 are number 2 in the state. Both teams out of Region 6, who both happen to be Kale, number 1 in the state out of Region 6. So we'll start on that girls' side. As we mentioned, Region 2, number 1. Number 2 in the state, Warner Robins, 28-3 versus Region 6. Champion number one in the state, Kale, 25 and 5. Kale has been number one all season long. And they will hook horns at 5:30. And Kale, just a blink of an eye ago, this senior class was all freshmen and they were undefeated and they lost to Buford in the state championship game. And we said, well, they're gonna win one. And then it didn't happen year two. And it didn't happen year three. And now they are finally back in the making centerplex with a shot to win a state title, first ever for Kell. How did they get there? Kell, 56-37 over Maynard Jackson. Crystal Henderson, just too good. Georgia State signee, 22 points, four rebounds, six assists, and three steals. Jemiah Gregory, 16 points, six rebounds, and five steals. And then Jada Green pitched in, 13 points, seven rebounds, and three blocks. Warner Robins, they were down at the half. They were down a couple points at the half, 31-26 to Calhoun, but they found their footing at West Georgia and won 62-53 over Calhoun. Tasia Agee, I don't know. Hey, this is what the I think it was the AJC said this, 18 points, 11 rebounds. No, 18 points, 11 assists. Well, Torrey Davis had 20 points off six three-pointers. I've seen multiple stats. I'm not sure who's right. Hype South had different. AJC had different. Probably should have went with Hype South. Um, but either way, um, two big games out of those two. Uh, but Jada Morgan, who's had a, a sprained bum knee, I think it is, she's going to have to strap up. And this is, this is her lasting legacy for her, that Pitbull 
Uh, I know she didn't have a, a huge game scoring the ball, but she's going to have to get that rice, that rest ice compression elevation, get healthy for this game. Because remember, when she was at Jones County as a freshman, they hooked horns, they locked up with Kel early on in the state tournament, and uh, Jada Morgan went toe-to-toe with Crystal Henderson. They had a really big game. I think she might have scored close to 20 points, and Kel won that one, but Jones County was really tough against Kel. But either way, all that being said, Kale versus Warner Robbins. Warner Robbins was my initial pick to win the state championship when we did that Bracketology podcast, but I had them playing Bradwell. I had Kale losing. Kale has not lost. I think Kale is going to win this game. I think it's going to be tough for Warner Robbins. I just feel like Crystal Henderson is just a ridiculous, prolific score. You have to know how to defend her. You have to take away her airspace. You have to close her out. You have to run her off the line, but you have to have that length to step up and contest shots. Warner Robbins doesn't have a ton of length. I love Kennedy Howard inside. She's a great, great, great rebounder and a very good shot blocker, but she is only about five foot nine. And, you know, Henderson's not going to be running into six foot two and that length that's going to be able to kind of take away her advantage from the uh, seeing the rim to get to her floater. Where Warner Robbins needs to really make this game. Uh, interesting. They're going to have to muck it up and use some physicality. Navia Mack handling the ball. She's going to have to get out there and defend. Uh, Jada Morgan, physical, physical guard. If she gets that bully ball going downhill, uh, she can make an impact offensively, getting rebounds and scoring around the rim. Um, but you have to be physical with this Kell team and try to push some around. But um, that's easier said than done. Henderson is just so good, so quick, so elusive with the ball and with such deep three-point range. Uh, she is going to be a handful. And Jada Green, I love her. That matchup between Jada Green and uh, uh, Ken, uh, Kennedy Howard inside, that's going to be really, really fun to watch if you're a non-Division One school, checking out those two forwards that really play much bigger than their size. And then Jemiah Gregory with that athleticism um, is a key factor. And then MJ Harris, big game experience at Marietta. She's played at the centerplex before. I think he'll is my pick to win this game, but keep an eye on Tori Davis. She's an X-factor for Warner Robbins. Sometimes she, uh, she takes some of those shots where like, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. She is, uh, uh, can be an unconscionable shooter out there. She will let it fly, and she can score in bunches with the outside shot. So if you're Kendra Bailey, you cannot forget about little Tori Davis. She is extremely competent with her outside shot. And then Tasia Agee as well is a very good player. Uh, as a playmaker and outside shooter. But Kell is my pick. Kell is my pick. Kell is my pick to beat Warner Robins. But again, it's going to be a home game for the Demonettes. Warner Robins ain't too far from Macon. So we will see what happens. But I think I'm going to go with Kell over Warner Robins. And on the boys' side... No surprise, we saw this matchup right when everything, the brackets materialized... Giving the people what they want, it's Region 2 champion number one, actually number two, Eagles Landing, 29-1, state champs two years ago, runners-up last year, they see Region 6 champion, number one in the state, Kale, 27-2, this game will be played at 730 Eagles Landing defeated Jones County 66-54. I think that was, what, the third or fourth time they beat Jones County? Uh, they beat them 66-54, as we mentioned. David Thomas 
Mercer signing. He had 20 points. Kenny Brayboy, 17. Chris Moore, 16. Kylan McKinney, 11 points. And then Kale, 54-33. No issues at all with Chapel Hill. C.J. Brown with 24 points. And Cannon Richards had 10. The two transfers in the offseason. This game will be dictated by tempo. If this game is up and down, going up and down in track meet, Eagles landing will have the advantage because Peyton Marshall is a block-to-block half-court player at this point in his career. He is not necessarily equipped to play fast-break basketball. And you know Eagles landing, they can turn it into a track meet as well as anybody. And those guards are electric in transition with Kyla McKinney and, of course, David Thomas, who is an elite finisher, contorts his body so well to finish at the rim. So if this game is up and down, even though I know Kale has a thoroughbreds at the guard spot to make it a fun game going up and down, that is going to be an an advantage for uh, Eagles landing if this game is a quick pace. On the conversely, whatever side of that, however you want to say those difficult words, uh, if this game's in the half court, Kale can pound the ball inside to Peyton Marshall, and he just wants to dunk on everybody and use that strength and even play inside out. Jalen Cologne is a huge monster of a three-point shooter that can make things happen, can really hurt you on the perimeter. I think Kale shoots the three better than Eagles Landing does, but again, that's going to come down to is this game in the half court or in the full court? I think Kale, the recipe for success for them, Punch the ball inside to Marshall. Get some of those guys in foul trouble. Marshall's going to have to be ball strong. I know Elliott Montgomery's team's going to dig down, probably bring some double teams. Kenny Brayboy at 6'7". That's a big, long, strong body, but still he's going to be giving up about 40, 50 pounds inside and some size and height. He can't get in foul trouble. I know they get some big bodies off the bench. I wouldn't be surprised to see Eagles Landing really crack into some of these younger guys and some guys that are really more so rotational players. If they have to use five fouls apiece from guys off the bench, they are willing to do it. I think Kale has been regarded as possibly, probably um, the best team in the state this year. And just looking at how everything else has played out, uh, you know, it'd probably be coming down to them and Wheeler as the best team in the state of Georgia. Uh, I think Eagles Landing, they play, they run through a brick wall. And again, um, most of these kids have been there for the vast majority of their four-year stints. Kale, not as much. A lot of those kids transferred in. And Coach Montgomery gets those guys to run through a brick wall for them. Eagles Landing, I don't think you're going to find a team that plays harder than Eagles Landing. And they will bring the fight to Kale. Kale has been my pick to win since the very beginning. And I really think this one's just going to come down to what the tempo of this game is. Eagles Landing is so tough defensively. And as I mentioned, if they get this game in a transition, live ball turnovers will be converted into points. And if this is too fast of a pace, and Kale, you're going to have to take out Peyton Marshall and not let him establish himself and pound away at that interior for Eagles Landing, that's going to be an issue. Kale is going to be my pick here just because that's who I picked at the initial onset. I do think C.J. Brown, Cannon Richards, those guys can play in that tempo style. They have that great bouncy athleticism to match and make things difficult for Eagles landing. Uh, I'm going to go with Kale just because I feel like that big boy inside and then even Paris Johnson can play a really big role as a six foot four guard with length and make things tough defensively. I think Kale has a lot of options to pull from. I'm going with the Longhorns in this one. 
But I know Eagles Landing is going to be giving them hell, and they're going to make the Longhorns scratch and claw for every single bucket, every single inch on that floor. But I am going to go with Kill. Day three, Friday, March 10th, Class 3A. All eyes will be on this game. Region 7, number two, number three in the state, the defending Class 3A state champions, Lumpkin County, 26-4, versus Region 8 champion, the lone undefeated team left in the state, number one in the state, Hebron Christian, 31-0. In the final four, Hebron Christian defeated Wesleyan 65-58. Aubrey Beckham had 21 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Kayla Lane was an X-factor, not typically scoring in double digits, but that just shows you the depth of Hebron Christian. 14 points, and Amaya Porter had 8 points. Lumpkin County, a total complete destruction of Calvary Day. Not a surprise whatsoever. 78 31, Avery Jones, playoff Avery. She can do this. 21 points, over 20 points again in the state tournament. Emery Siney, the reigning Class 3A Player of the Year. Mary Mullinex and the North Georgia Siney, Lexi Pierce, each scored 18 points. And Emmanuel College Siney, Kate Jackson, had 12 points. Public school versus private school. You've seen it all year long on social media and in the gym and everyone talking about it. Homegrown kids versus a hand-picked roster from across the state. Hebron bringing in four transfers this year. Two kicked off the team, but they still have some good ones left over. Jakira Butler at six foot tall, the Winder Barrow Center. Cameron Register. Left Wesleyan. Yes, she did leave Wesleyan. And then did transfer to Hebron Christian. Obviously, private schools, you have to have enrollment. And people are going to come in from different areas here and there. But, again, a lot of these girls not here from freshman year and coming from different areas across the state. Lumpkin County, uh, a special team with kids that grew up playing together. And now it's their final run with the big three seniors all signed. And then, of course, Avery Jones. Uh, As I mentioned, everybody across the state will have their eyes on this game. This is going to be a home game for Lumpkin County. And they are going to have a lot of fans there. Heap and Christian will bring a nice fan base. But we already know Lumpkin County will be there in full force. I think they already put out a message that school is canceled or school is going to be cut short so that everyone can make it to making for this game. And Hebron's just been so good this year. Hebron hasn't played nearly as tough a schedule as Lumpkin has. Um, Hebron's played a couple of good teams here and there in the non-region schedule, but Lumpkin has really played uh, a gauntlet in, this, uh, in the region and outside of the region. Where this game is going to be won is 
Ken Lumpkin compete with Jakira Butler, the Winder Barrel moving inside. Uh, she has had a really good season all year long as far as controlling the backboards and scoring inside. And of course, Lumpkin is only going to play about six girls. Hebron can go up and down that roster and play 10 if they want. Um, and they're going to have that size advantage. And Nakia Daniel is another key player, a stretchy forward at about five foot eleven that can rebound and step outside and shoot the three. And we already mentioned Kayla Lane that can do the same. Is a quality shooter, but has size. Um, Aubrey Beckham is a really good guard, really, really good. One of the very best in this sophomore class. Maya Porter uh, is a three point shooter that will knock down shots if you leave them open. There are so many weapons, so many weapons up and down. That roster for Hebron Christian and Lumpkin, you know, Lumpkin just has to pull from Dahlonega. And it's, uh, you know, a much smaller talent pool to pull from. Uh, I think this game is going to be very emotionally charged. And it's going to be uh, interesting to see the the coaching matchup here between David Douse and Jan Azar. I know Jan Azar has a lot of um, state titles to her name. And uh, David Douse just has that one, but... That one was mightily impressive last year against GAC, and uh, he's one of the very best, if not the best, girls coach in the state of Georgia because he, uh, he gets a lot out of what he has on his roster and what comes through those doors, and he's done a great job of helping with player development and turning this Lumpkin County team into uh, the, the team that pretty much everybody at those you know, smaller public school levels strives to be a team like Lumpkin County and with their execution. I think they're going to have to hit shots. I think Avery Jones is going to have to be playoff Avery. She's going to have to have a really good game. And you already know Avery Jones always draws the assignment of defending the other team's best player. Now, I would assume maybe off the top of my head that that might be Aubrey Beckham, but I don't know what these cross matchups are going to look like. And again, I think inside, Lumpkin County never really ever gets in foul trouble. And it'll be Interesting to see how they do defending Jakira Butler, especially once shots go up. They're going to have to really block out and rebound, gang rebound, and keep her off the glass. Uh, I think Hebron, again, as we mentioned, they, they just have more weapons to choose from. It's going to be a really tough battle for Lumpkin County. I think if this game's tight and close going into the fourth quarter, um, I think there's going to be more and more energy and more juice coming on that Lumpkin County side. And Hebron, they've they've shown cracks here and there. I mean, they were in a, a close game with White County. I know they ended up winning that game by double digits, but White County played them respectable twice, and they played them tough in that first round before they finally put that game out of reach. And then Wesleyan, um, they, they pulled away and was able to win that game against Wesleyan we just mentioned. So for Hebron Christian to win a state championship, they have to beat three teams from the best region in the state in Class 3, and that's Region 7. And I, I think Hebron... Um, I, I'm going to pick Hebron Christian to win this game. And I think, you know, if they don't win this game, this will be, um, one that will be talked about for a long time. I think it'd be a one that will be talked about for a very long time for a lot of different, uh, reasons. There'll be a lot of different storylines to talk about in this game, pregame and postgame. Hebron Christian is my pick. I think they have. So much up and down the roster that it will be hard for Lumpkin to slow everybody down. But I would not count out the Indians quite yet. But I will say Hebron Christian will be my pick to win this game against Lumpkin County. 
on the boys' side. Not as much intrigue as on the girls' side as far as the, the classic public versus private battle, but there is a large monkey that is barely clinging on to the back of Sandy Creek and very well, very well maybe about to fall off finally for Sandy Creek. What happened here uh, in the final four? Cedar Grove, 61-45 over Douglas. They pulled away, and then Sandy Creek, 62-44 winner over Cross Creek, defeating the two-time defending state champ in that Cedar Grove game. Jalen Adsat had 18 points and five assists. Darius Reynolds, 12 and 12 points and rebounds. E.J. Colson, 11 points. Manny Green, 10 points, eight rebounds. And Sandy Creek, Mike Smith had a big game, 16 points. I think he had like nine rebounds, handful of blocks. P.J. Green, 13 points. Vic Newsom, 10 points. So here we have it, folks. It's an all-region five state championship the four-team region sent three teams to the Final Four, and now two teams are playing in the state championship. Sandy Creek, number two ranked team in the state, 25-6. and six. Cedar Grove, number seven ranked team in the state, 20-9. and nine. This is the fourth time these teams have matched up, and Sandy Creek has absolutely throttled, destroyed, wrecked, picked apart Cedar Grove. 91-56. At Sandy Creek, 71-48 at Cedar Grove. Region 5 Championship, 76-52. These games have not even been competitive. But, as we'll talk about later on in the podcast, what about Berkmeyer and Norcross last year? Berkmeyer beat Norcross three times. Norcross won the state title. Now, Norcross was not getting beat by 30 points every time out. So you can kind of throw that one out the window. Everything on paper... And I think you have to feel good. You have to feel good, and you have to feel really terrible if you're Sandy Creek because it is hard to beat a good team four times. But they crushed Cedar Grove. They just dissected them three times. This is not talking about 10 and 15-point games. These are 30-point thrashings, 25-point wins, games that aren't even close, really, it feels like. These are blowouts in all these games. Cedar Grove's going to come in here playing with house money, and if that pressure all of a sudden shifts way, way, way back onto Sandy Creek, and now it's, oh, you, you have to win a state championship. Not only, you know, in years past they've had the most talent, they've had NBA lottery picks, and they haven't gotten the job done. Okay, we know that. We've harped on that enough. But now, oh, this is a familiar opponent. You've crushed these guys. They haven't even sniffed you. 91-56, 71-48, 76-52. Just roll the ball out there. And Sandy Creek's going to win a state championship. If that pressure is on Sandy Creek, because it's all going to be on them. No one should expect Cedar Grove to win this game just based on those scores, even though Cedar Grove is a very good, talented program. If that pressure somehow seeps in, and we see a, a 11 to 11 first quarter, and we see 25, 24 at the half. And if we're in the third quarter and it's 36, 36 in a low scoring game, who do you think that pressure is going to be on? That's, that's going to be on Sandy Creek. But I've always said until I see it, I can't believe it, but seeing is believing. And I've seen enough. I saw Sandy Creek, not in person, but I saw Sandy Creek defeat Johnson in Johnson, in Savannah. I saw Sandy Creek 
take care of Cross Creek in impressive fashion. And we've seen Sandy Creek beat Cedar Grove easily three times. And I think we will see 3 p.m. opening tip going to be done by about 4.35 o'clock. I think we will see Sandy Creek finally hoist a state championship trophy behind Amari Brown, Micah Smith, Vic Newsom, P.J. Green, on and on and on. I do think Sandy Creek finally gets the monkey officially off their back and wins a state championship. In the middle of Friday's action, we will have the girls' three-point contest. But after that, it's Class 6A, 530. A rematch of last year's Elite 8 matchup. But first, let's talk about how these two teams got there and who these two teams are. In Class 6A, over at West Georgia, Lovejoy defeated Brunswick 73-62 for Nia Preston. Had 31 points. Austin P. Signee, Lanaya Foster had 25 points. Go figure. Those two carry this team night in and night out, combining for 56 points. On the other side, River Ridge destroyed Langston Hughes. Score looks closer than it was. I heard they were up about 22 points. Sophia Pearl got hot, hit five threes, 21 points. Kayla Cleveland had 11. Matea Gale going to Penn, 10 points, 7 assists, 8 steals. And how about Avery Gaw? By Gaw, as JR would say. Three threes, 9 points. Up and down the lineup. So here it is, folks. Region 3, 3 seed, number 3 in the state, Lovejoy, 26-5 versus River Ridge, Region 6 champs, number one in the state, 26-5. and five. I think they've been number one pretty much all season long. Here we go. And as we mentioned at the top, the defending state champs, Lovejoy, they are the last team in the state of Georgia to defeat River Ridge. And that was last year in the Elite Eight, 71-59. And that game was 45-40 after three quarters before they outscored River Ridge 26-19. Brianna Preston had 26 points and 7 assists. Lanaya Foster had 16 points and 6 rebounds. And Kamaya Muldrow, an X-Factor, had 11 points. On the other side, Kayla Cleveland, 13 points. Matea Gale had 9 points. The difference, as I said all season long this year, Lovejoy doesn't have those two Division I post-presences. They do not have Layla Hood inside. They do not have their other big post-presence that ended up going to UCF. They're graduated, and they lost another post-presence that I was told threw a punch in this Final Four game and is suspended. So a short bench gets even shorter for Coach Cedric King and Lovejoy. River Ridge, they have five losses this season, none in the state of Georgia. Who have they lost to? They've lost to Hoover an Alabama state champion. They lost to Hazel Green, an Alabama state champion. They've lost to the Webb School, a state champion in, I believe, Tennessee. And who else did they lose to? Pickering Central and Olmstead Falls, two teams in Ohio who are, guess what, playing each other in the Final Four. They have played a national schedule, and only nationally ranked teams have beaten them. 
All season long, I've said River Ridge is the best team in the state of Georgia. Up and down that roster, everybody to a T, to a man, to a woman will tell you, if they're honest, River Ridge is the best team in the state of Georgia. They're the most completely constructed team. They're all homegrown. They can shoot the three. They have dynamic guard play. They have length inside. They can score at the rim, inside out. They have youth. They have veterans. They have everything. River Ridge is the best, most complete team, bar none, in the state. Hands down. Yes, that includes Hebron Christian, who is undefeated. Yes, River Ridge is a better team than Hebron Christian, and it doesn't even matter at this point because both teams could very well be ending this with state championships. But make no mistake, River Ridge has been the best team in the state of Georgia all season long, and they've proven it time and time and time and time again. But the best team does not always win a state championship. Last year, the team with probably the best resume in the state of Georgia was Holy Innocence. They didn't win a state championship. They didn't even make it to the Final Four. Well, they made it to the Final Four. They didn't even make it to the state championship is what I'm trying to say. It's hard. It's hard to win a state championship, especially when you're expected to. The target is on River Ridge's back. They've been the best team all season long. They're playing the defending state champs. Lovejoy, it's just going to be two girls scoring the ball. It's two girls. It's Lanaya Foster, who's been fantastic, and Brianna Preston. It's two girls that are scoring the ball. You have to worry about eight girls that can score for River Ridge. But Cedric King tightens the screws. He's one of the best coaches in the state. They're going to make this a rock fight. He lost a rock fight to Tim Slater a few years ago at Lanier, but now he's somewhat in that position as being somewhat of an underdog, even though they are the state champs. And they're going to be physical, and they're going to be athletic. They're going to play fast. But it's going to come down to Foster and Preston. Can River Ridge just not let both of them go crazy? Absolutely bonkers. One can score 25 points, hold the other to 15, and you might be in good shape. You can't let both of those girls combine for nearly 60 points like Brunswick did. I don't think either one of those two girls are going to get in foul trouble. I feel like they probably haven't all season long. Um, but River Ridge, it's going to come down to making outside shots. And... They can be a very devastating three-point shooting team. If Sophia Pearl's hitting five threes and Avery Gaw, if she's hitting some threes, Matea Gale, all these, Michaela Roberson, who has always drawn the assignment of defending other teams' best players this year. She's defended Diana Collins. She's defended Kate Harpering. I would assume off the top of my head she's going to have to guard Brianna Preston. She has been built for it this year as a freshman, defending literally the best of the best. So I would assume she draws that assignment. Kayla Cleveland, I think, will be a big factor with her versatility inside and outside. I know it's not just scoring around the rim and banging inside. And I know Lovejoy, even though if they do have a player suspended, they do have size inside that can alter shots and make life difficult. But she is so good at shooting that that wing jumper from the elbow. She loves the little pop-back 15-footer. The lefty can hit that consistently. Allie Sweet will play a big factor in this game at six foot long. Just long, just be in there, just rebound, make a putback, block a shot or two. And Matea Gale, the dynamic playmaker, that's that quickness. She can match Brianna Preston quickness and speed-wise. They're both dynamic athletes. They're two of the very best athletes in the entire state of Georgia. And they can kind of go at each other tit for tat and make things happen. 
They played in arenas. That's why they played at Buford Arena when they played Buford, this um, River Ridge team. They've been prepping for this. Lovejoy has been there and done that before. But again, it's it's two players. And maybe Kamaya Maldro, maybe Morgan Bone. Maybe it will be that coming out party where that, that third scoring option steps up for Lovejoy. But River Ridge has done it all year long. You're going to have River Ridge is going to have to have five, six, maybe even seven girls have off shooting nights and have bad games, which can very well happen. But just looking at the odds of that, there are so many more options that Lovejoy needs to slow down than there are for River Ridge. And I think Lovejoy's scary good because they have probably maybe the best dynamic duo in the state between Preston and Foster. But do you want five versus two, six versus two? I'm going with River Ridge to win the state championship. They've been the best team all season long. They've done it against Marist, a team that will grind you out defensively. They've done it against Langston Hughes, who can match you position, position, and has some athleticism, has size inside. Maybe not a true megastar like what Lovejoy has in the backcourt, but Langston Hughes beat Rockdale. Who beat Lovejoy? I know that stuff doesn't matter, but River Ridge, if they're just able to play to their potential, they got to play their A game. I don't want to see a B game out of them because that might not be able to get the job done. But as I've said all season long, River Ridge's best is better than any other team's best in the state of Georgia. And I think that will get the job done in the Macon Centerplex. I think the River Ridge Knights win their first ever state title and knock off Lovejoy, the defending state champs, the last team to beat River Ridge in the state of Georgia last year in the Elite Eight. On the boys' side, at 7.30, we see somewhat of a surprise, especially after Lanier beat Grovetown. They played one of their worst games, and Lee County was up to the task. Region 1 champ, number 10, Lee County, 28-3. They see Region 5, number 2, number 2 in the state, Alexander, 26-5. And, and how did we get here, as we will check on that real quick, at West Georgia, Lee County beat Lanier, 49-48, Josiah Parker had 16 points. Harrison Skinner had 9 points. Alexander, they rallied from down, I think, 9 points or so against Etowah. 56-53, Braden Liu came to play with 22 points and 8 rebounds. Marvin McGee had 11 points. So, what do we expect in this game? Well, Lee County, they flirted and they floated in the bottom of the top 10 for a good majority of the season. But they were written off for at least a week or two, and they scored only 24 points in a game against Tiff County, a team that scored 24 points in a loss in Class 6A is now playing for our state championship. That is why they play the game. And Lee County, the past few years, if you haven't been paying attention, they've made some runs to the Final Four and have had some big wins and have snuck up on teams out of South Georgia because when they get home court advantage and you have to drive all the way down there and it's tough and you got some athletes and some good players. And DJ Taylor, the region player of the year, is a playmaker at the guard position. you got some great athletes in Uzman Chroma flying above the rim, averaging a double-double, playing larger than his size. You got Josiah Parker, the 6'6.4", the big, beefy, got a little baby fat on him. Very talented, high upside player. Lee County has some athletes 
and more importantly, very good basketball players. Alexander has been ranked number one for a vast majority of the season, then slipped back to number two. Alexander has a lot of length, and Braden Liu, again, when he wants to dominate games, he can do so, and he did against Etowah with 22 points. But they got Marvin McGee, a six foot six wing. You got a six six point guard going to Chattanooga and Noah Nelson, Jaquan um, Nelson, a big time scorer that moved in from Rome. Milan Kennedy can score the ball. Alexander, especially if they go to that press and if those referees are letting them kind of get after it and get aggressive and not going to call ticky tack fouls and let them be physical. That's going to be advantage Alexander. I think Lee County, they're playing with house money at this point. You know, they, they kind of were in a nip and tuck game to get past, who was it? Blessed Trinity, I think that Riverwood game wasn't necessarily a walk in the park for them either. They beat, uh, who was it? We just said Riverwood, right? They were able to beat Riverwood 70-63. to 63. They beat Blessed Trinity the next round in the Elite Eight, 65-61. Even that Evans game wasn't necessarily uh, simple, 61-49. But then they got that big win recently against Lanier, and now they see Alexander. What's Alexander done throughout their path in the state tournament? Alexander has seen the likes of, let's see here, Alexander, they defeated Shiloh. They were down at the half against Shiloh. Cranked at the press in the four, uh, third quarter, got into a big lead, 166-57. They then, um, after that, they beat a, let's see, Jonesboro. No, we're talking Alexander beat Shiloh. Yes, they, Alexander beat Rome in that first round, 65-57, that's right. Then Shiloh, then Jonesboro by one, which was a, a scrappy, tough-fought game on the road. Um, all that being said, Alexander's been a little bit better of a team than Lee County this year. They've seen better competition this year. Alexander is my pick to win the state championship. Lee County is going to throw the entire kitchen sink. Kervin Davis has his team playing exceptionally well. They are 28-3 for a reason. But I think Alexander, but Braden Lou can be that star on the floor. They have length up and down. They're bigger. They're longer than Lanier is. And they do have some really, really good perimeter scores. Very well-balanced team. I think I'm going with Alexander to defeat Lee County in this game. But I do feel like Lee County, going to make it fun, going to make it interesting. But I'm going with the Cougars. In the final day of the GHSA high school basketball season, Saturday, March 11th, Class A, Division One. I was here for the Final Four in Milledgeville. Saw these games, saw these teams. We start on the girls' side at 11 a.m. And, hey, before we do that, how about that? Region 6, all private schools. All private schools in Region 6 in the boys' and girls' state finals, something the rest of the state really feared, and it all came to fruition. But on the girls' side, Galloway. Region 6, number 2, ranked 3rd in the state, 27-5. They will see the Region 6 champs, number 1, St. Francis, 26-6. Of course, these two teams know each other quite, quite well. St. Francis actually won 
Every single matchup they played, St. Francis won 71-63, and then they won in the Region 6 Championship 71-55. They got out to quick starts in both of those games and were able to hold off Galloway. But let's talk about what happened in the Final Four. And, of course, Galloway and St. Francis, we had that Final Four correctly predicted at the beginning of the season, or at the the beginning of the, uh, uh, I guess you could say season two, because that's pretty much how we thought it would shake out, and at the beginning of the Bracketology podcast, and we do have that matchup in the state finals that we expected. But what happened in Georgia College? Galloway 70-57 over Elbert County. Elbert County led by three at the half, 30-27, but Kyla Kane and Tiana Thompson were too much in the second half, combining for 28 points. Thompson had 23 points. Kyla Kane going to North Florida had 15 points, had 13 in the second half. And then Taryn Thompson uh, was tough off the bench with 10 points. And Kalen Fields going to Kennesaw State had 8 points at the point guard position. St. Francis, uh, it was a bloodbath as expected. 76 to 36 over a Goodwillville Tompkins team. Desi Taylor had 16 points and five assists. Cameron Golson off the bench, 12.6 rebounds, two assists, six steals. Nia Young, Samaya White, Allie White, all with 11 points. So, these two teams meeting for the third time. It's tough to beat a good team three times, tough to beat a good team four times. Well, this is just going to be the third time. These two teams have played. Galloway was my initial pick to win the state championship, and I'm picking Galloway once again. I know Jasmine Baxter is a casualty on this roster, and that really hurts them with the size inside. But Tiana Thompson can take over games. If Kyla Kane plays as well as she did in the second half against Elbert, against St. Francis in the state championship game, they can win this game. I know St. Francis is large. I get it. Samaya White is a wrecking ball inside. And I know Anijah Hall is six foot four and blocks a lot of shots. I know that. And Trenise Taylor going to Kansas State. I know she's a really good, dynamic-looking forward that can handle the ball and do a lot of different stuff out there. I get it. 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 But I really think Tayon Thompson is really, really good. I think Kaylin Fields. She's going to Kennesaw State. She's a good playmaking point guard. She's quick. they got to be able to handle the press. If St. Francis is pressing Galloway, there is no excuse in the world for Galloway to be throwing the ball around, kicking it around, and turning the ball over. You have Division I guards up and down this lineup. Um, Kane's more of a forward, but Taryn Thompson, no, she's a freshman, but she has high major offers. Allison Hoffman, three-point specialist going to Oglethorpe D3 school. you got so much... So many veterans that have played in so many big games, you have enough to beat the press. And I know it's going to be tough to maybe score around the rim at times, but you still have talented players that can get downhill and draw fouls. You do have D. Stokes that will battle and rebound. She had 12 boards against Elbert County. Kyla Kane, as we mentioned, again, is a really good rebounder. There is enough on this roster for Galloway to win this game against St. Francis. But they do have to be aware of those quick little guards of St. Francis. They are really good playmakers. Desi Taylor sees the floor exceptionally well. Nia Young does the same. And Cameron Galston is a major spark plug, while Allie White is that three-point shooter off the bench. But I'm going with Galloway to win this game. If they handle the press, they know what to expect, hit your outside shots, and attack when you have that size advantage on the perimeter with those big guards, 
You can get after it some. They can find a way to use Tiana Thompson, get downhill, hit some outside shots. I think Galloway can win this game. I know they're entering as an underdog, 0-2 against this St. Francis team. But I'm picking the Scots to win the state championship. I'm sticking with them to finally beat St. Francis. On the boys' side, again, all Region 6 affair. Nobody is surprised. We see in the state championship, Mount Pisgah, 53-49 winner over Swainsboro. Swainsboro struggled to compete, but then they finally went to the press. You're down 19 points. Your strongest attribute is your quickness, your speed, your aggression, your athleticism. Why are you not pressing? Why are you waiting till you're down 19 points in the fourth quarter to press? I just don't understand. But the press led to a 25-10 fourth quarter for Swainsboro to claw back into it and make it interesting against Mount Pisgah. But Pisgah was too good, of course, with Micah Tucker, 23 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals. Tyson Pittman added 17 points. And then Grant Randall, 6 points, 14 rebounds, and 5 blocks. And on the other side, down goes the number one ranked team in the state, Mount Vernon, defeated by Kings Ridge, 53-48. The preseason number one ranked team in the state is back in Macon. Kings Ridge, 53-48. They did a good job of holding their own against that size inside of Zay Chagog and Keith Williams, both who had really strong games, but... It was Kings Ridge with four players reaching double digits, and they hit seven threes. Isaac Martin, 12 points, hit some key free throws late. Jaden Cole, 12 points, and then 10 points apiece from Zach Thomas and Jack Thomas. So here we have it. Region 6, runner-up, number 2 in the state, Mount Pisgah, 23-8, versus Region 6, 4 seed. Number 4 in the state, however, Kings Ridge at 22 and 10. These two teams met earlier in the season, and Mount Pisgah won that game 74-65 at Kings Ridge. They won that game, but it was December 2nd. That is ancient history, folks. That was so long ago that Mount Pisgah was able to run into Kings Ridge, and they only played them once. They only played them once, and they were able to secure that victory, 74-65, as we just mentioned. So what should we see in this game? I think Kings Ridge is red hot right now. I think they're red hot. They're playing well. Uh, William Job coming off the bench did a nice job just blocking a shot, grabbing a couple rebounds, didn't do a whole lot offensively. But he is still a big presence off the bench. And they move the ball so well. Mount Pisgah, of course, is going to get a lot of production from Micah Tucker. That's the one guy you cannot let Micah Tucker kill you. I think Grant Randall's a really good player. And Max Tucker is a very solid role player. And Tyson Pittman as well can score the ball. But I think Kings Ridge, with how well they're playing, they've been here before, as has Mount Pisgah. Uh, you know, a little a couple years removed from that, though. But Kings Ridge... With all these seniors trying to get the job done, they're going to do it. They have super fans, and Asher Thomas, who I met, big-time super fan, a listener to the Spielin' and Dealin' podcast. That kid's got a bright future ahead of him, little brother of Zach Thomas. I think 
a lot of purple is going to be in the crowd. I think Kings Ridge, with how well they can space the floor and shoot the three ball and going to make things difficult for Mount Pisgah. Even though Mount Pisgah, they won that game. It was high scoring, but Kings Ridge is playing their best basketball. They're locked in defensively. I think Kings Ridge is going to be my pick in this game. I think Kings Ridge, again, unfinished business from last year. They've they've shot well in the making centerplex. And I think with that win over Mount Perrin and everyone buying into their newfound roles with people um, kind of solidifying their place in the rotation and, again, with how they can put five shooters out on the floor at one time, I like Kings Ridge Christian. I'm going with the Tigers to beat Mount Pisgah to avenge an earlier nine-point loss. And in 7A, we will see 7A right after the slam dunk contest. So 7A boys will be at 7.30, but we'll start with 7A girls at 5.30. These two teams, they know each other. They definitely know each other. They haven't hooked up yet this year, but they do know each other. And that is Brookwood, Region 4 champs, number one in the state, 30-1. and one. That lone loss, of course, to River Ridge. They play Region 7 champion, defending state champs, number two in the state, Norcross, 29-2. and two. I'm thankful that I, I, I switched that pick from Buford to Norcross because Buford, with just one girl that can consistently score, Norcross was able to wear them down and secure a 58-46 victory. Ron A. Charlton, Tallulah Falls' finest. Had 19 points to lead Norcross. Janae Aikens had 12 points. Arkeesia Lancaster had 10 points. And Kayla Lindsay had 8 in the win. Brookwood, they had a gritty win in their own right. Surviving McEachern 58-53. Ohio State signee Diana Collins has ramped up her play, folks. She's brought it to another level here in the state playoffs. It's go time now. 19 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists. See Jade Weathersby with 17 points and 10 rebounds going to UAB. And Daniel Osho, 12 points, 5 boards for Brookwood, according to their team Twitter account. As I mentioned, these two teams know each other. Last year in the Elite Eight, Norcross defeated Brookwood 77-60. to Both rosters obviously much different now. Transfers flooding in for both sides. Norcross got 28 points from Janaya Aikens in that game, but they also got 23 points and 13 rebounds from Zaria Hurston, who was at DePaul. So cross off a huge 23 and 13 performance. On the other side, Diana Collins had 24 points. She played really well. But Nakia Williams is at Oakwood now, had 24 points. So cross that performance off. So each roster has been retooled with move-ins. Brookwood, I feel like, has been the best team in the state, the most talented team in the state in Class 7A all year long. They were my initial pick to win the state championship. If they are able to score around the rim, Daniel Osho is much, much better and plays much, much more than she did last year as a freshman. That's something Norcross hasn't quite seen this year, a dynamic forward like that that can not only dominate defensively and score inside, but she can step outside and she can shoot the three. She's a very well-rounded, balanced player. She could play a big, big role in this game. I'm going to pick Brookwood. I feel like they have been the best team all season long. I know Norcross has been able to pull 
pull-out games here and there, and they've had some gritty defense, and they got some size inside. Not not at the level and at the size of Osho or Weathersby, mind you, but they have a couple 5'11 girls that can rebound and muck it up and play good defense, and Charlton will be a, a factor with her speed and quickness getting to the basket, but Brookwood has so many options to choose from in their own right. It's not just Diana Collins, and it's not just Weathersby. It's not just Osho. Justice McCoy has played some big minutes throughout. Kennedy Daniels, a senior. Sierra Hall is a another senior. Peyton O'Brien is a move-in that provides length from St. Pius to help rebound and control the glass and control the paint. Hey, we said at the beginning, if Brookwood doesn't win the state championship this year, that would be a really tough pill to swallow with all that talent on the roster. I think Brookwood gets the job done. I think Diana Collins will Go out in style, the senior going to Ohio State. I think the moment will not be too bright for her. She's risen to the occasion time and time and time again. And don't forget, revenge on their mind. They got blown out by 17 last year. Brookwood, I like the Broncos to win the state championship and defeat Norcross. And thus leaves us with the 7A state championship on the boys' side, which I'm sure everybody thought was going to play out this way. I jest, I jest. It's an all-Region 5 showdown. It will be round four between Cherokee and Wheeler. Two teams that go about their business much much, 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 much differently. Cherokee, a thrilling classic 63-60 win over Norcross in overtime. Again, Norcross, with all those move-ins and roster, all that, all that talent loaded up. And it's funny. It's crazy to think, well, how did Norcross win the state title last year? They cut bait with a lot of those transfers, and they kind of just – had who was on that roster on that roster with London Johnson, of course, who was a move But still, they cut off a lot of different pieces. And what do they go out and do? They just bring in all these other transfers in. And again, Norcross doesn't win the state title with all these transfers on the roster. you got to sometimes just play with what you got. And that's what Cherokee has done in that win where they got a big performance out of Braylon Giddens with 19 points, had a big third quarter. Lawrence Sanford, who got an offer from Georgia State afterwards, 15 points. Tatum Owens, 14. Cameron Pope, 9 points. And again, the homegrown Cherokee Warriors playing for, I believe it's their first state title. If not, it was a long, 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 long time ago. I was not born. But the Cherokee Warriors, the homegrown Cherokee Warriors out of Canton, Georgia, with not a lot of size, just Dastin Hart, about 6'5", who played a great game. Believing, and if you were able to listen to Coach Veeman's post-game presser afterwards, which I couldn't quite hear because NFHS was cutting out, oh, they are using this podcast, but more so everybody in the state that has picked against Cherokee all throughout the season. Of course, Cherokee played in two Sandy Spiel Showcase events this year. Not that bad. Uh, they are a homegrown team. They play incredibly well together. We, I, we've said this from the opening tip. They move the ball. They shoot the three. They play for one another, they're a physical on-ball defensive team. It doesn't matter that they lack in size. They get after you. They get after you. We'll talk about them more in just a second. Wheeler, 67-55 winner over Grayson. 
USC Arrington Page, 19 points, 11 rebounds, uh, uh, had maybe seven blocks. And then uh, Isaiah Collier had a big game with 19 points as well. So they got contributions from the two USC future Trojans. And now we have it. So here is a tale of the tape. Region 5, number 2, number 8 in the state Cherokee at 25-6. and six. They play Region 5's champion, number 1 Wheeler. 25-6 and six. Wheeler has not lost in the state of Georgia this season. And these two teams know each other quite well. Wheeler won 69-60 in their first meeting at Cherokee. Wheeler was down 10 at the half. And then Wheeler won 73-60 at Wheeler in round 2. And then in the Region 5 Championship, they blew out Cherokee 94-61. Will we see a Berkmar Norcross scenario as last year when Norcross lost to Berkmar thrice but won the game that mattered the most, the state championship? Will we see that between Cherokee and Wheeler? And yes, Again, as we hearken back to a couple of these matchups across the state where we have homegrown teams versus um, the opposite, quite the opposite. Cherokee getting the job done with just what walks through those doors, who's grown up through Teasley Middle, kids in that North Canton area, not very transient area. Cherokee County, a lot of homegrown town. It's a special place to be, folks. You grow up there, you go to the school, that you were zoned in for middle school and for high school. Wheeler's a national program. They bring them in from all over the place, and we don't have to touch too much about that. Um, We already know. But Larry Thompson, it sounds like he will be back on the sidelines after serving his two-game suspension, and he has won state titles, and he is a very good coach, and he always has so much talent to choose from. you got Josh Hill at 6'10", Coming in off the bench at times, Jelani Hamilton, who moved in, um, is a really good player going to Iowa State, came from Cumberland Christian. You had Josh Hill come from like Carolina. You had Arrington Page going to USC at six foot nine. He came over from Riverside Military. You got Ricky McKenzie, who came over from the Walker School, averaging 20 points per game last year. Um, you know, you know how it goes. Wheeler's got so much talent and They are going to be so big for Cherokee. But Cherokee, they're playing with house money. This is going to be a pro-Cherokee crowd, 110%. Canton, everybody in Cherokee County will be at this game and will be rooting on the Cherokee Warriors. And they have such a tough, tough hill to climb. It's going to be difficult to size that advantage, that athleticism, the size, just the overall skill of Wheeler is going to be very, very tough to deal with. But the one thing that's good about this game, they know what to expect. They're not going to be shell-shocked seeing Wheeler and the same players on the floor for a fourth time. And they got to look at what was working right for them in that first game in the first half when they were up 10 points. If they can hone in and find that, and if they can get hot, Lawrence Sanford can get hot, folks. Tatum Owens can get hot. They can hit threes. They play good defense. Mason Bennett can defend. Dasson Hart will fly around the floor. He will rebound. He will battle. They will do everything they can. They will throw the entire kitchen sink. Braylon Giddens, who I've mentioned as a sneaky little X factor for this team, makes things happen. This team is not nearly as deep or as big or as athletic or as tall or as, I guess, talented as far as you you do say. They have a McDonald's All-American, even though there is a lot of talent for Cherokee. 
They are going to be the heavy underdog in this game, and they have to accept that, and they will relish that fact, and they will listen to this podcast, and this will be a motivating factor, as always, because everyone continues to pick against Cherokee. I picked Cherokee to make the Elite Eight. I did have them falling against Carrollton. I did have them losing to Norcross. And now they see a team that has already beaten them three times. No one believes in uh, in Cherokee to win this game. I think they are going to give Wheeler all they want and more. But in the end, I do feel like Wheeler just too big with Arrington Page blocking shots inside. Isaiah Culler is a McDonald's All-American. I think it is the end of the road. For homegrown Cherokee Warriors, a special, special, special run that will go down as one of the the best we've seen in Class 7A in a while. I mean, Tiff County maybe, back when they won the state title against Norcross, um, I'm sure they maybe had a a move in here or there, but that was for the most part. A lot of those South Georgia guys kind of flew under the radar with P.J. Horn and company. Uh, But Cherokee, we haven't seen much of this before in Class 7A as far as a team that doesn't have, you know, I guess Lawrence Stanford's got two Division One offers, but he's just a sophomore. They don't have all this impactful size. They have a, a couple guys with NAIA offers and small stuff like that. They are the Cinderella story, and they will come to play against Wheeler, but Wheeler will be my pick to hoist the state championship, win another one after a, a hiatus last year in Class 6A. Wheeler has not lost in the state of Georgia. And if they lose to Cherokee in the state championship, it will be the biggest upset, whether Cherokee wants to admit it or not, in state playoff history, as far as all the factors in play go. Will be tough, but I am going with Wheeler to win the state championship. There you have it, folks. 2022-2023 GHSA season is coming to a close on March 11th. Thank you for listening to all these podcasts. Thank you for the support. Thank you for everybody that came up and took a photo or gave me a shout in Milledgeville for Class A Division One and the Class 2A Final Four. Fun seeing people in the building And again, I always have to pick against somebody this time of year, so it is bulletin board material for most. But I'm looking forward to seeing these games play out in Macon. Should be fun. Hopefully there is no controversy. But to put a bow and a ribbon on it, another great GHSA season about to be in the books. And you can find me in Macon enjoying the best of the best, the best state there is in the United States of America when it comes to high school basketball, it is the GHSA.